0: So, Epimenides was a Cretan, not a Cretan, who is remembered today for saying that, quote, all Cretans are liars, unquote. This gave rise to the Cretan paradox, which assumes that he can't be telling the truth as he's Cretan, but if he's lying, then all Cretans all tell the truth, in which case you can go round and around in a perpetual philosophical circle. Of course, if you think about it, the opposite of his statement isn't that all Cretans tell the truth, but simply that some Cretans tell the truth sometimes, which means, the paradox really isn't that much of a paradox in the end. And, as it turns out, Epimenides didn't even actually say that in the first place. Also, Glenn's back this week. Welcome back to Turns Out, the Game of bluffing and lying. I'm your host David J. Lore, and with me this week are the international traveler Jason Snell, Uh, Bonjour, <laughs> the interstellar pundit Scott McNulty. I don't know if I'm a pundit. But I, was, I was just thinking that as I said that. <laughs> well, eh. fix it in post. Fix it in post. And the uh, the interviewing marvel Glenn Fleischman.
1: Hello, David. There's no game show made that I can't find a way to break.
0: Mm. Sweet mm. truth.
2: Alex Trebek cool. is still
0: recovering. Finally,
2: <laughs> finally, Glenn has found the truth. <laughs> no game finally. show can hold me.
0: So, for for anyone who didn't hear the first one, uh, I'll run through the <laughs> rules quickly. Yes. Glenn, Glenn didn't hear Glenn. the first one. <laughs> Wait, the <are> rules. <laughs> On, on the plus side, we have inspired a, a booming business in Sriracha Bugs, so yeah. who knew? Uh, basically, the premise of the game is that we have several guests who will tell stories. Only one of these stories is true, and it is up to one of the guests to guess which one is true and which ones are lies. So, our topic this week is April Fools, the best April Fools jokes or pranks you've heard of. Seen, experienced, pulled off. However, what, whatever April Fool story you want to tell. So, uh, our our guesser this week is Glenn. It's Be, me. It's it's you. Oh, uh, because revenge is a, a dish best served cold.
2: Yeah, Glenn, you're I'm the one man. who's lying this week. <laughs> 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 I'm a cretin. It's true. So, uh, it's
0: who would Cretans like? Cretans paradox. <laughs> the Paradox. The Cretin's Paradox. Who would like to go first? I'll Me. go first. No way! Hey, hey, hey! I'll go okay. first. Okay.
2: All right. Um, so my story is about the tiny European it's international traveler, tiny European <laughs> principality of Monaco. I don't know if you're aware of it. It is the home of Monte Carlo, the famous casino. You've seen it in James Bond movies, if nothing else. And it's technically, um, it's really part of the French Riviera. It's on the Mediterranean. It is uh, one of the smallest. It's the second smallest. Country in the world and the most densely populated, and it uh, but for the Mediterranean, all its land borders um, are with I believe are with France. It might touch Italy too, but it's essentially dominated by France. I believe uses French currency, um, it has a direct railway connection to Paris, so its connection with France is strong. However, it is a separate principality. has ruled. By a uh, by a family, it's currently Prince Albert II is the head of state. He's a constitutional monarch. It's the House of Grimaldi, famous for ruling Monaco um, with only a few eruptions since 1297. That is a dynasty, folks. So anyway, this is this is your backdrop for a story of a April Fool's joke gone horribly wrong, at least temporarily. <laughs> In um, in 1963, uh, Charles de Gaulle, the leader of France, blockaded the Principality of Monaco because he was angry that all the wealthy of France were declaring their official residences as Monaco and using it as a tax haven. The, the, the Grimaldi family was happy. To have this. I mean, this is true. This is absolutely true. They were happy to welcome the wealthy to Monaco, to their casinos, to their beaches, to their resorts, and take their money and uh, basically not let France have it. Uh, And so there was a blockade and there were great threats by the French government. and and, And the relationship between France and Monaco has been fraught over the years, um, the, 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 you know, those brief moments when the Grimaldis haven't ruled it have had generally to do with France exercising <laughs> its massive authority over Monaco. So I take you to late on March 31st of 1963. Um, the French humor newspaper or magazine, it depends, I, I'm not sure if it was a broadsheet at that point or looked more like a magazine, La Poix, The Pair, 120-year-old French humor magazine. And we know, we know, you know, French France has a very strange um, uh, culture of humor publications. Uh, the, La Poix is famous for skewering celebrities such as Marie, even Marie Curie back in the day. And in later years, uh, it's said some terrible things about Francois Mitterrand and his personal life. Uh, but in this case, in 1963, La Poix, the pear. I love that. I'm just going to keep saying it. The pear. Is, the pear is okay. That's a weird name for anything, but La Poix is La even poix. better. La Poix, La poix produced. Somehow, and I think it's unclear, I, there are intimations that they had a, a friend of La Proix that was uh, inside the Agency France Press, but they produced what, what appeared to be an authentic Agency France Press report and managed to get it on the wire that indicated that Monaco's Prince Rainier III had agreed to surrender his post, uh, cave into Charles de Gaulle's demands, and incorporate Monaco as a province of France. Alright, good joke. Tensions were tight. Well done, LaPois. Good job. Okay. Here's the problem. On, on, the, uh, on the evening of, of March 31st and into the early hours of April 1st of 1963, uh, the uh, opposition to the monarchy in Monaco led by a gentleman named Camille Blanc, took to the battlements. There were riots. Uh, the oh, the news reports on the local media, especially leaking in from France because the French media reported, and of course this is, I mean, there's not a, it's not because like it's very small. Uh, the French media on the border reporting this, uh, whoever was working late on March 31st, probably not your top flight journalists, huh. reported this as a fact <laughs> from the, the French press agency. Uh, and uh, suddenly a, a revolution slash riot was happening on the streets of Monaco, uh, trying to protect the, uh, the rich folk of Monaco. They locked down the casino. They locked down the, uh, the uh, resort areas. But uh, wow. throughout the streets of Monte Carlo, there were riots. And it took until late in the day on April 1st for the, the uh, people of Monaco to settle down. And uh, the assurances of both Charles de Gaulle and Prince Rainier, who weren't speaking, there was a blockade. They, they weren't friendly, but they had to make they, not a joint appearance, but separate coordinated statements that Monaco was, in fact, not going to be subsumed by France. So, haha, ha, funny joke, Lapois. You almost <laughs> caused a revolution <laughs> in Monaco. It's a, a country that has been largely independent since 1297. Funny joke. True story. There you go. Ah. Lapois. Mm, well, and cool.
3: well,
2: as you know, my mother's best friend.
1: <laughs> was <laughs> <with> Laplois. <laughs> was, was Prince Haberdash. Was <laughs> Prince Rainier the third? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Therefore, uh, I used to like to read the Hercule
2: Laplois novels. <laughs> yeah, <Great> mysteries involving <laughs> strange amounts of fruit. It was fruit. Yeah, fruit mysteries. Uh, those um, are the best. The fruit mysteries. The little My great issue shoes. of
3: uh, Laplois included a glowing review of Marie Curie. <laughs> oh, oh um, uh, yeah
2: yeah I wonder bucket. I wonder I don't have the details of, of how they skewered her but I thought like <laughs> did they make fun of the fact that she got run over by a tram because that's not funny or that she <laughs> yeah, had crippling radiation them. poisoning also not funny
0: in but France hilarious I don't they understand the, the
2: humor of the French so yeah. they, <laughs> they poussé the envelope. There. <laughs> Anyway, uh, how do you how do you overthrow a uh, a principality that's been ruled by the same family since 1297? You have a six, you have a stupid joke from a French humor newspaper get picked up oh. as if it were true.
1: How do you solve a problem like Maria Rainier, Prince Maria? <laughs> Rainier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't his name Maria? No, not in public.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's my story. Plausible,
0: but we'll see. Oh. It's I mean, you, you, can, you haven't heard Scott's story. story. You can you can poke him. You can ask questions.
1: <laughs> poke, poke. Oh, really? Well, yeah, let's see. yeah. Uh, interrogate uh, him. I may, I'm going to reserve the rights
2: later. Okay, was yeah, fairly, go, go you know, It was a very back.
1: self-consistent story.
2: Come back. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'll answer your questions at any time.
1: Many, many facts involved <laughs> in that are in my knowledge base and uh, and are confirmed. So we'll see.
2: Always a good thing.
0: <laughs> All right. Serious. Yeah. We'll move on to Scott.
3: All right. Well, my my story also takes place <laughs> with
0: bugs in Europe, <laughs> <Okay>. ah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and involves LaPois. No, it no, wow, uh, <laughs> those jerks. What did they and ruin this time? <laughs> everything. They've ruined everything. No, my my uh, story takes place in uh, a country, uh, a little country called England. You may have heard of it. I have. They have uh, TVs in England. And we all know when you turn on a television in England, it's always the BBC. So my my story uh-huh. involves the BBC. Uh, set your, your way back machine to 1965, April 1st. It's April Fool's Day. The BBC is on your TV because you're in England. And you see an interview on the BBC of a London University professor who has perfected a technology that he is calling... Smellovision, not smellovision. <laughs> no,
2: Smell-o-over. that would come
3: later. <laughs> yes, that was introduced a few years later uh, by Lapois. <laughs> uh, now you may be wondering, Scott, what what is this smellovision that you you speak of? Uh, I will point out, I was not speaking of it. This London University professor <laughs> was speaking of it on the BBC. Good distinction. Uh, yes, he uh, said that. You would, viewers soon would be able to smell a number of things pouring out of their TV thanks to this new (laughs) exciting technology that he had perfected. Uh, and basically he had uh, a machine that, that breaks down the uh, component sense of various things, uh, and then transmits it through the screen of televisions across England into the homes of the British public so that they could enjoy smells like, uh, Chips, I suppose. I don't know what you smell in England. Uh, fried fish, perhaps. Curry.
1: Um, Maybe not Curry, yes. Not
2: that's 1965, right. though. Uh, mm-hmm. The queen. <laughs> <laughs> what does that's, she smell like? The scent of royalty. That's why. It smells
3: purple, I believe.
1: purple. and
3: A hint of money. Uh, and slight oppression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the, the molecules uh, were transmitted through the screen. And so the professor, of course, you, you can't talk about this smell-o-vision technology without demonstrating smell-o-vision technology. So he put two things that every British person in uh, 1965 wanted to smell from their TV. Coffee beans and onions. <laughs> uh, which I can only assume the British people mixed together into some kind of god-awful beverage. Mm. Uh, and then he asked viewers to report if they had smelled anything. Uh, people called uh, the BBC and they reported that they, they smelled very strongly uh, coffee beans uh, and onions, and some even said that their eyes were watering, thanks to the strong scent of onion that was wafting <laughs> off of their screens into their tidy English living
2: rooms, wow. which I guess they call sitting rooms. Maybe I don't know. Mm.
3: drawing remember. rooms. No,
2: I don't know. We call them English living rooms. They just call them living rooms. They call them. Fo- <laughs> I believe they call them football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Soccer. I believe is right So that's also, it, 1965. Also, onions and coffee, that's bangers and mash. Uh, oh, onions wow. are, are bangers, and, they, and English people call coffee mash. I thought that's it right. was bubble
1: and squeak, bubble and squeak. Mm. Like the onions bubble and the coffee squeaks. Yeah.
3: Hold <laughs> the
1: bangers. Uh, this, is, this is a very interesting, this is a troubling uh, topic, David, because... It's, I it's lies return, about lies. <laughs> it's lies about lies. <laughs> wheels <laughs> this is perfect for me, obviously, it's because it's I don't know the truth of a lie. Mm. Or a lie from a lie. But... Uh, so, uh, so Scott. So people were people were convinced of this. There were reports from all
3: over that people said they yes. smelled these smells. They they did indeed. They they reported smelling them. One can assume these were gullible, foolish English people. <laughs> uh, but they did. There were reports.
1: Were there any um, Martians reported? That's the
3: no. That was that was uh, many decades earlier. <laughs>
1: I see. I wrote an article for The Economist about uh, Scratch and Sniff, as it turns oh, out.
3: Micro-encapsulation. That that, that great uh, 1940s English comedy duo. Okay. Scratch <laughs> and Sniff.
0: In England, they were known as Bubble and Squeak. <laughs>
3: That's right. That's good. Uh, I don't think there's
1: any questions I can ask, because uh, if Scott's lying. He's going to tell me lies about lies that don't need to be plausible. <laughs> so it's hard to come up with more plausibility. But I, it's a very good story. I
0: like the story. Okay, and... I have one about uh, someone who was glenning well before glenning was a thing. Ooh,
1: I know him. Ooh.
0: And, and you know him, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, we all know George Plimpton, right? Who? Well, uh, I have a
1: George Plimpton story, but go ahead. Oh, of
0: course you do. And <laughs> But, you know, he knew everyone. He, he did everything. He was, he was notable for pretending to be uh, many things, including a Detroit Lion for at least one book. And... Uh, And, and I know as a, as a baseball fan, Jason can uh, vouch for this. Uh, he's famous for creating the part yogi, part recluse pitcher, Sid Finch of the New York Mets, which was a a big cover story on Sports Illustrated one year.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That was the 1985 April Fool's issue of Sports
0: Illustrated. Right. Right. He was, he was notable for throwing a 168 mile an hour fastball, (laughs) which was 65 miles an hour faster than anyone. And uh, the the beautiful part is the subtitle on the article, if you took the first letter of each word, it spelled out Happy April Fool's Day, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, now, being video game types as we are, uh, you may also know he was a spokesman for Mattel's Intellivision (laughs) game system when it came out. Here's the thing that I, I only found out a little while ago he was helping to develop a video game based on sid finch go figure there were there were going to be two modes you could either play in the major leagues where every team had some kind of freak of nature like sid or you could play the practice mode in the tibetan monastery where he supposedly learned the art of the pitch and you know there were going to be funny stories and all kinds of you know just building the world of sid finch around uh, this in 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 this game and uh, unfortunately, because the Intellivision didn't sell as well, I mean, nothing against George Plimpton. He's not exactly who I would think of as a, a real, you know, appealing to the video game crowd. Um, between them not selling well and all kinds of changes in the regimes at Mattel, the game wound up crashing and burning well before uh, they ever released it. But it would have been fun. It, you know, I'd have played
1: it. This reminds me of the, uh, Simpsons episode in which, is it Millhouse? I forget. No, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, who's the Brainiac in the Simpsons? I can't remember. The, uh, Martin? Martin. Martin. Martin's in a video arcade. He's playing the, uh, My Dinner with Andre video game. It's <laughs> yeah. Like you click it. Yes, yes, Trenton Insight. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> yes, my George Plimpton story is very simple, which is that a roommate of mine was a fiction writer, and he sent something into the Paris Review, and he'd used his parents' phone number as his, uh, you know, the number to call, and his mother gets a call from someone who says, oh, um, yes, this is uh, George Plimpton calling for Ron, and his mother at first thought it was a complete put-on, and then remembered that her son might actually have submitted a story and eventually that story was in fact published in the Paris Review,
2: and now you know the rest of the story. I think Glenn's story is the <clears> is the one that's not true. <laughs> uh, is, that, <laughs> is, that right? is that how this works?
1: Final that's answer. It. Well, it wasn't April Fool's. That's how I've double bluffed you. Uh, uh, <laughs> double you know, David, I'd like to dismiss your story out of hand because it sounds a little ridiculous. But nothing to do with video game uh, commissioning <laughs> and production <laughs> in that era is farther so true. Could possibly be untrue. And uh, recall the the long running myth that that E.T. game had been. Buried Buried in the desert in a dump, and it turned out it had been. They just dug it up last year, and <laughs> yeah. are making well, was, a movie about that. I was going to a-
0: say it's it's like the erudite version of the ET game. Mm-hmm. Exactly, sort of lost in the ages. Yeah, there
1: are some. I played some very strange games on consoles and computers in the 1970s and 80s that I'm not sure what diseased mind came up with. And so <laughs> why why not a George Clinton <laughs> game? Surely people would like a game about baseball that involved fantasy. You could call it fantasy baseball.
0: Mm. I think you're onto oh, something wait. there. Uh,
1: like all that. right. Well, so this is the mo- now it's moment of truth. Do I decide? This is now? this
0: is where yeah. you figure out which one is true.
1: Well, David, yours is is definitely plausible. Uh, Scotts, I know about the BBC's spaghetti April Fool's joke. Oh, uh, that's a classic. That is a famous one. We're seeing that as a kid. They were rerunning that, and uh, but you know, ridiculous but famous, and, and people in England have never seen. Uh, food that wasn 't boiled to death, so they had to assume that spaghetti was grown on trees because everything else they boiled like that was was grown on trees um, but i I actually think I have to go with Jason because uh it sounds just ridiculous enough and uh confusing enough while retaining this air of plausibility about miscommunication that i, I think i 'm going to go with Jason and La poiix partly' cause I like to say Laploix as well
2: <laughs> you know this is two this is two episodes in a row where i have been I have been uh fingered as the truth teller among us. I must just have an honest voice.
0: And it's the Um, second time you've lied through your teeth. Absolutely. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs)
2: Glenn, always trust me.
3: That's right. I am a truthful person. Take off that mask. Who is it behind
2: that Scott McDulty mask?
3: George Plimpton.
1: Oh Oh, my god!
2: (laughs) I can smell him from here.
1: (laughs) That was good. Do you, there was an NPR used to do April Fool's jokes. I don't know if they still do. them. one year, they did this thing where someone came on, it was several, you know, maybe 15 years ago. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to teach you how to make these amazing sounds through your mouth. Now, cup your hands like this. And Robert Siegel said, like, this is, yeah, now blow. And it made a sound of, like, an, a train rushing through a tunnel. And they did several <laughs> of these totally straight. It was one of the funniest things they'd done.
2: The... um. I found the uh, hoaxes.org page that uh, details the Smell-O-Vision prank. And <laughs> the funny thing is that I, I kept waiting for Scott to mention it. It In 1977, uh, 12 years later... Um Uh, In June, it wasn't on April Fool's Day. They did it again (laughs) in Bristol, (laughs) and they told people uh, on a late-night news show that they were using ramen spectroscopy (laughs) to transmit smells, and they were going to transmit a pleasant country smell, definitely not manure, and asked them to report what they smelled. Within the next 24 hours, the station received 172 responses, the highest number of which reported smelling hay. Or grass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's always the
1: uh, was it ha- not hairspray? What was the movie with uh, uh, by John Waters that had the smell o vision card? That you <clears throat> yeah, we'd scratch numbers. and sniff. Yeah, and they'd flash mm-hmm. it up on screen, and you'd scratch it to correspond with uh, mm-hmm. the movie. It wasn't hairspray. It wasn't was it? Was
0: it Pink Flamingos? No, no, no. It was one. Of, it was one of the ones before he kind of hit mainstream.
1: Yeah, you could still occasionally oh. do showings with the scratch and smell polyester. Oh, polyester, yeah, yes, with Divine. Uh, Yes. So there's also every several years some entrepreneur comes up with a, a USB or first uh, probably serial PS two powered, then USB powered. Someday they'll be Thunderbolt powered or USB <laughs> type C powered, smell
0: It'll it'll be uh, wireless.
2: Nobody wants <clears throat> to smell your smells. That's the what? bottom we don't nobody wants it. Good. No. <laughs> It's never going to happen. No, don't do it. <laughs> who needs a smell? Well, I, I just have to say that I wish... Uh, I, so, let me, in my defense, uh, Monica was blockaded by Charles de Gaulle in 1963, mm-hmm. who was angered by its status as a tax haven. Um, everything funny. else is a lie. LaPoi <laughs> is
0: not a thing. Uh, LaPoi is a lie? That, is, uh, that is such a great name.
1: It's a lie. It was good. Uh, so, it was good. I thought it had been blockaded. I had some vague yeah. recollection. You've got to put some true.
2: truth in the lie. That's true. Yeah. But it was never, the, the, the Grimaldi's were never in any danger in 1963. <laughs> 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 they had the nuclear bomb anyway, so. Mm. And all the, they had all of France's money, I think, also. <laughs> <That's>
1: even, <laughs>
0: even more important, yeah. part of Is the that, issue.
1: Isn't that the Tom Lair line? It's who know, who's next to go, maybe Monaco? <laughs> <laughs> Could be.
0: <laughs> all right, well, are we ready for the true or false round? False. No, wait. Go.
2: True. Ruining it
0: again. Uh and, and in, in your honor this, okay. this week, instead of the lightning round, it is the Fleischman round. <laughs> oh. So it's but full of glutting. So this is for everybody. We've got ten true or false questions. Number one, Virgin Cola once ran an ad warning customers not to buy blue cans because thanks to new technology, when their soda passed the sell by date, it would react with the metal to turn the can bright blue. No, false. False. It, it I'm is. Gonna, hmm?
2: I'm, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm also going to say false.
0: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and coincidentally, quote unquote, Pepsi had just introduced a newly designed can that was bright blue in Britain. Oh. Uh, so don't buy the blue cans. Number two, the financial... Wait, comes. wait,
1: oh. was it true that they said it or true that it was true?
0: No, it's true that they said it. It wasn't all, true. All, all of these are April Fool's pranks. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So, Wait, uh, what game are we
1: playing again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry. Bugs. Um, okay, number two. The Financial Times fell for a press release announcing a sponsorship deal whereby the Royal Observatory would rename Greenwich Mean Time as Guinness Mean Time. That's true. True. That's absolutely That's not, true. That, that is true. true. It's because the press release leaked a day early, specifying details like counting seconds with, not with the traditional pips, but pint drips. They issued Mm. a very curt retraction. (laughs) Number three, speaking of press agents, the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia fired its press agent after a stunt to promote an April 1st lecture. True. False. Trust the guy in Philadelphia. It is true. It was a press release also on March 31st, 1940, announcing that astronomers at the Institute had confirmed the world would end the next day. (laughs) With the quote, This is not an April Fool's prank. Unquote. (laughs) It was merely a lecture on the question, How will the world end? Uh, Number four, speaking of NPR. NPR shared a story titled, Why Doesn't America Read Anymore? None of the people who commented on the story... Actually, read the story.
2: Well, that that sounds true to me because commenters don't read stories.
0: <laughs> that's true. I think that's true. Uh, I'm going to go true as well. The entire story is, and I quote: We sometimes get the sense that some people are commenting on NPR stories they haven't actually read. Mm. If you are reading this, please like the post and do not comment on it. Then let's see what people have to say about this story. Unquote. <laughs> Number five. The BBC reported that in order to keep up with the times, no pun intended, Big Ben was going to go digital.
3: That's true. True. Yeah, it sounds true. That
0: is true. These all sound true, David. Yes. Are these all true? ah, You have figured out the thread. They they also had a contest where the first four callers would win the now unneeded hands. They apologized (laughs) for days. Um, In 1973. The Cynetics, or Cignetics Corporation, announced the invention of fully encoded write-only memory. True.
2: No idea. I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just say true because they've all been true.
0: And and there you go. The idea was that data <laughs> could be written to the device but never read back, thus ensuring eternally inaccessible storage, Ooh, <laughs> or EIS. This is was, funny. quote, to improve the quality of life for billions of people affected by computer data.
2: Mm. Weren't those
0: called zip disks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh <amazing>. no. <laughs> uh, Number click seven. Click, 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 click. Mm-hmm. The Daily Mail reported that a manufacturer had released 10,000 rogue bras that, <laughs> thanks to <laughs> copper <True>. underwires, <laughs> friction with nylon and body heat could cause interference with radio and TV signals.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Yep. Sure, why not? Yes. There's there's no more to that, just yup. Yep. Number eight, Swiss radio broke news of the U.S. astronauts landing on the moon in
2: 1967.
0: Huh. I'm going to say false just to be, you know, perverse. All
2: of these things are happening in Europe, too, which makes me laugh. (laughs) Those
0: wacky Europeans. Yeah. Liars. Well, it's true. Uh, They even had correspondence from, quote-unquote, around the world and news that the moon ship's return flight would be visible from high points away from city lights. Police were upset when they had to direct traffic from people flocking to high points away from city lights. (laughs) Number nine, PC Computing Magazine once ran a story about a bill introduced in Congress, bill number 040194, to make it illegal to use the internet while drunk.
1: Oh, yes, that's true. Sure.
0: That is true. It was a John, a John Dvorak story. Ah,
1: uh, John Dvorak, yeah.
0: <laughs> noting noting that Congress apparently thinks being drunk on a highway is bad no matter what kind of highway it is. Oh, so that's oh.
1: when John started actually not using the truth. Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh. No, he, he had not point. been telling the truth for
3: years before that. <laughs> <laughs> Take
1: that.
2: <Yeah. laughs> that was just the one game. Yeah. <laughs>
0: appropriate. And the last one. News spread around the world in 1998 that the Alabama state legislature had voted to change the value of the mathematical constant pi from 3.14159, etc etc to the, quote, biblical value of 3.0. Yes. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good joke, so I hope it's true. It is true. Physicist Mark Boslow wrote about it in the New Mexicans for Science and Reason newsletter as a spoof of efforts to circumvent teaching of evolution in schools. Hmm.
1: I like the, uh, was the a physicist who submitted papers to, uh, humanists, or, or I forget to, I forget the journals he submitted them to, and they were actually either algorithmically generated or basically entirely nonsense, and they got accepted, and then he used that as a way to, uh, mm-hmm. ridicule the lack of rigor in thinking, even though I think they were non peer reviewed papers where they accepted everything, so it didn't quite work. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I he heard submitted about
0: that. those to Lapois. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lapois turned them. there.
2: sweetie, mm-hmm.
0: So, that was that was a fun round. That was we um, we didn't, Glenn didn't ruin anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even know Not what's yet. happening. Not yet. I know. Well, the the game is still young. No, it's over. <laughs> <Don't. Wow. laughs> April Fool. <Club. laughs> so I guess I guess it turns out all I have left to do is thank all of you for being here. Jason Snell. Au revoir. Au revoir. La poire. <laughs> <laughs> très bien. Très bien. La pois du pois, pois. Goodbye, Pear. And Scott McNulty? I, I am I'm
3: slicing some onions right now. Can you smell them?
0: <laughs> you know, actually. It smells
3: like uh, grass.
0: And Glenn Fleischman. You win Sriracha Bugs.
1: <laughs> Curse you, <Lord>. I'll, Laura. <laughs> I'll have my revenge yet. Revenge against what? I don't know, but I will have it.
0: Served cold. So anyway, that was another round of Turns Out. And uh, I'm your host David J. Lore, and that much is true.
1: I like the debate club, the uh, Star Trek debate club. It's quite nice.
2: Yeah, that was really funny. I I, I offended Scott at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: there are a few podcasts where you don't offend me in the yeah,
2: That's true. Fair point. <laughs>